9 o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and the Buckeye Boy, today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. It's 9 o'clock on a Tuesday, which means it's Mav Day when we talk with Colorado Mesa coaches and athletes. This hour, we'll talk with Mike DeGeorge, Maverick men's basketball coach. Also, Taylor Wagner, the coach of the Maverick women's basketball team. Both teams back at home this weekend when they take on Regis and UCCS. So we'll have that for you this hour of the program, plus your chance to get qualified for the table for the big game at Buffalo Wild Wings. And we'll have that coming up after a bit. But uh, right now, it's time to talk Colorado Mesa men's basketball with the head coach, Mike DeGeorge. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. And joining us right now, the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. He's the coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, Mike DeGeorge. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Morning, Jim. Doing well. Team bounced back after that loss to Westminster and the way you played in the second half. A dominant, dominant second half, uh, outscoring the uh, Western Colorado Mountaineers 47-16. to You beat them 82-46, to and and it might have taken a little while to get going, but uh, that, that second half, uh, your team went out and dominated Western. Yeah, we had a great second half. I was a little disappointed with our effort in the first half. I really felt like, uh, you know, responding to that Westminster loss, we really should have come out with a lot of fire in that first half, and we really weren't ourselves. But, you know, the, one of the deals this group is is that when there's a problem, they are they work really hard to fix it, and uh, they are able to fix it in that second half and put a great uh, effort together. What was the conversation at halftime? What were some of the guys well, talking about at halftime? Mike, did you – wasn't too pleasant. <laughs> Share with us what you can, life, okay? Yeah, I, I, uh, they, there was a little. Uh, I came in and they were a little loose in the locker room where I thought they'd be upset, and so um, it kind of set me off. So it was one of the few times this year I've really yelled at them. So, so, but you got their attention, no doubt about it. At, at halftime into that second half, uh, your, your team uh, responded to, to what, whatever you said to them at halftime. They, they got them back on track. Yeah, you know, I think coaches have a limited number of times where they can raise their voice and have impact. It just starts to become normal if you're somebody who yells at your team all the time. And so we try not to treat the guys that way. We don't want to treat them that way. And we got a good group, and we want people we can trust that are professionals. And so, by and large, you know, we just really don't have to uh, ever have that kind of interaction. Uh, but, you know, if, if it happens, it's not the norm, so it does get people's attention. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team with us. Uh, Maverick men coming off the win over Western Colorado, 82-46, to Blaze 3. Another sensational game, Mike, 25 points, 10 of 16 from the field. He was 4 of 6 on threes. Trevor Baskin had 16, but he scored 13 in the second half. He was a big part of that uh, surge in the second half. And then Isaac Jessup had a really good game, 10 points, couple steals, a career-high 7 assists. He did a nice job of distributing the basketball. Those three guys with uh, very impressive games last Saturday. Yeah, just starting with Isaac, not only uh, did he have, you know, the, the seven assists was awesome. He's really just kind of slowing down a little bit in the games and allowing himself to read it. When he's made mistakes, it's just he gets going a little too fast with the ball in his hands. But all year he's just been an incredibly consistent shooter, and he's just really been an incredible defender. I mean, in terms of executing our defense and playing with purpose, and timing of when to, you know, rotate, when to, to go for steals, uh, and, and when to really execute our defensive concepts. He's just had tremendous focus and effort, and he's got great defensive ability. So he's really been a dominant defender for us all year. Um, and then the shooting's been there, 
and now he had a, uh, had a great game of really finding other guys and distributing the ball as well. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team with us on the Team Sports Network. And, and these games like that Western game, there's moments that, that you can kind of celebrate when there's a guy like Eddie Kerjack, redshirt freshman, who you know, doesn't get an opportunity to play very often, but he made his first college bucket with a nice little reversal layup with about a little under three minutes left to go in the basketball game. And, you know, for a guy like that, that, you know, works his tail off at practice, is out there making other guys better, uh, making the starters better, when he gets a chance to do that and reach a college milestone, getting his first career bucket, that has to uh, has to bring a smile to your face, doesn't it? Yeah, it was great to see. And Eddie's got a lot of ability, and, you know, it hasn't come together for him yet. He's a, he's a high jumper for the track team as well, and he was a seven-foot high jumper in, in high school. So, uh, he's got a lot of potential, but the year hasn't gone as he'd hoped and really hasn't found that role yet. And, um, and so, you know, you need to have some, uh, some moments that kind of pick up your spirits when you're going through that kind of a year. So it was great to see him uh, have that moment and, uh, you know, for you guys to acknowledge it. I just got to acknowledge in the paper, too, which is pretty cool for him. Mike DeGeorge, Maverick men's basketball coach, joining us on the Team Sports Network. And so it's Regis. You played them uh, previously over at uh, the Regis uh, University Fieldhouse in Denver uh, earlier on the season. And that was part of that early winning stretch that you went on, Mike, with the winning streak after the, the two initial conference losses at home. And a 71-65 to victory in that one, a game where, where Blaze 3 had 17, Reese Johnson had 15, and Trevor Baskin had 14 in the victory. And and for them, they were led by C.J. Reed with, with 14 points, and Carter Braden had... Uh, had 14 points as well for them. So I guess just with this game against Regis coming up, uh, a team that right now is, you know, if the RMAC tournament started today, Regis would be in the RMAC postseason in the tournament. And so this is a very important game for them and UCCS coming up this weekend. Yeah, both those teams are kind of right on the fence of getting in and uh, coming in in different ways. Regis won both games on like buzzer beaters uh, this weekend, right? They, they won in the last possession of the game. Uh, at home and uh, you know I've kind of solidified their roster when we played them the first time we built a, a big lead I think we we're up 16 or 18 in that game and then they came out of halftime and they changed their rotation uh, and went more athletic and then started pressing us and they came back to take the lead and then Mac made a couple plays down the stretch to uh, to kind of help swing the momentum and we were able to secure the victory but it was very very difficult second half for us so you know, we really need to be ready as a talented team, and they're playing with a lot of momentum right now. Um, UCCS, on the other hand, has lost four straight. Uh, their starting center, Becker, who has a tremendous impact on the game defensively and offensively for them, uh, has been out the last three games. Uh, and he got hurt. It looked like he got hurt in that game against Mines. He only played five minutes. So they've lost four in a row, uh, all without him, and they didn't have him against us the first time. So outside of that, they're like 7-2 and two in the league uh, in those other nine games. So he has a tremendous impact, and we don't know if he'll be back or not. But uh, they're, they're fighting for their life to get in the tournament, and you know they got a good program. They're used to being in there. Yeah, UCCS right now currently sixth in the conference. They're seven and seven, thirteen and eight. Regis, who we mentioned, you'll play on Friday night. They're seven and seven, ten and ten. And, and for UCCS, I mean, it's like you said, they've lost four straight, and a, and a heartbreaking loss. They dropped uh, a ninety-nine to ninety-four game to New Mexico Highlands. Uh, they lost that game in overtime, so 
they're they're coming in after uh, that that close loss to the Cowboys and looking to turn things around. Like you said, Mike tried to stay in the hunt for the RMAC postseason. Yeah, Mike Dominguez at New Mexico Highlands, CMU alum, had a, had a crazy weekend. They were down, I think, 20 or 25 in both games. They came back to beat UCCS, and then they got beat at the buzzer against Regis the next night. So uh, so his blood pressure probably needs to be checked about now. But, uh, yeah, both, you know, all the teams are competitive, and all these teams we're going to face is that, you know, I, I really believe in our group, and I think that if we're right uh, – you know we can we can have success, but if we're not if we're if we're not as sharp as we need to be, like we were against Western or uh, Westminster this this past week, you know um, the first half against West Western, you know any of these teams coming up can get us. So you know we got to use this opportunity to get better as a basketball team and and uh, and really be ready for this stretch run. And for the Mountain Lions, John L. Fugit, uh, their leading scored over 13 points per game. They've got two other players in double figures right now. So Fugit, though, has been the guy, Mike, that that uh, really leads them from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, he's incredibly quick, and he can really score. And so, um, you know, you just got to try to, like, contain him and play him straight up and then just not get caught up on him where the other guys uh, really get going. And, and um, you know, with without Becker, they haven't really – even though he's not a great scorer, he just impacts the game in so many ways. Uh, on the glass, defensively, blocking shots, and then he's a great pick-and-roll big, too. So he just creates a lot of opportunities for his teammates in transition. Um, and so without him, you know, they need that secondary score uh, around Fugit. So you just got to stay stall- solid on him. You know, he's going to get his, and then, you know, you just got to make sure you're doing the job on everybody else. Mike DeGeorge, Colorado Mesa men's basketball coach with us on the Team Sports Network, jumping back to your Friday opponent, Regis. Braden Carter mentioned him earlier in the game that he had against your Mavericks earlier in the season, Mike. Uh, he was the hero in that game. Hit the, the baby hook. I got to love that. Uh, being an old low post guy myself, loving you guys that use the baby hook. Uh, with, with five tenths of a second to, to get the, the, the winning shot in that game against New Mexico Highlands, as you mentioned, and, and Mike Dominguez. But uh, Braden Carter's played pretty well for them and came up with a clutch, clutch shot in that game this last weekend. Yeah, they've really solidified their group and their roles, and they've invested more in him. And he's a really talented guy, and he's had he had a big game against us last year uh, here as well. Um, and so, um, you know, he's he's definitely a talented guy. And then David Simmental is the guy who's made the rounds in the RMAC. He's on his fifth score in five years, but he's a very talented scorer. Uh, and then Aaron Bokel is a guy that is kind of in the same role as Mac Renneker for them. He just does a little bit of everything. He's a great rebounder. Um, he's a great distributor of the ball, and then he's capable of making plays uh, if you give him space. So, um, so they they have a they have a very talented group, and and they've really kind of solidified their roles, and and uh, they'll come in uh, playing with a lot of confidence and at a high level. Mentioned the win previously against Regis, also UCCS, and that uh, eighty-six to seventy win was the start of the, the ten-game winning streak for the Maverick men's basketball team, which, of course, during that stretch included the, the win against uh, Black Hill State, number three in the nation, and number 12, Fort Lewis, uh, during that 10-game that winning streak. And, Mike, we should mention on, on Saturday night, uh, it's, uh, you know, I think certainly uh, going to be a lot of fun for fans both nights, both uh, Friday and Saturday, but it's the Blizzard and Brownson presented by Coca-Cola coming up on Saturday night. What can you tell us about uh, the Blizzard and Brownson? Well, I know it's a it's a big event and it'll be a whiteout. And so, uh, and last year, I I think every year that we've had it since I've been here, the gym's been absolutely packed. So it's been a great atmosphere and we've got a very talented opponent coming in. So it should be a great game and they got lots of prizes and giveaways going. So uh, it should be a fun night. 
All right, so make sure you get out there and check it out this weekend. Reach us on Friday night. UCCS on Saturday for the Blizzard and Brownson, presented by Coca-Cola. We'll have coverage both nights on the Team CMU Sports Network with uh, women's pregame at 5.15 both nights. The men tip it off at 7.30 on the Team CMU Sports Network, presented by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. Mike, see you this weekend. Appreciate the time. All right, thanks, Jim. All right, Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, with us today on the Team Sports Network. But a guy like Eddie Kerjack, I mean, that's just that's such a cool story where he, he gets his first collegiate bucket and, you know, his teammates were, were just thrilled for him to, to be able to get that opportunity. Uh, you know, made, made that first college career milestone or first, uh, um, you know, moment in his uh, mm-hmm. college career to get that bucket. Uh, I, and, and did a reverse layup. It wasn't just some yeah. simple play. It was a pretty uh, pretty nifty little reverse layup by Eddie Kerjack. And that's something I've noticed from this team covering their games. They'll get to a point to where a reserve or a deep-on-the-bench guy will get some time in and maybe it's not scored at all in the season or not scored at all at all, like Eddie Gerjak, and they get a look and the bench just kind of stands up. All of them are kind of like ready to just run on the court and tackle the guy, you know, fouls be damned if he makes his bucket because they just seem that tight, right? Like that close-knit of a group. You know, you have... Every once in a while, Mike George will run out like a line change, right? Five guys, the right. starters, then five more guys. Then every once in a while, a guy like Eddie Kerjack or Ty Allred or somebody like that will put up a, a shot and the bench is ready to explode for these guys. Instead of, you know, it's very easy for your starters. Like, yeah, we're up 20. We'll go sit here, grab some Powerade, and check Kick out. Kick back, yeah. You know, and they don't ever seem to do that. And it tells you just kind of how tight-knit this group is. And it's great to see. It's great to watch. And I think what Mike was talking about at halftime, where they're kind of joking around a little bit, and they have that kind of, I think, relationship. Mm-hmm. But then Mike comes and like, you know, we, we play like garbage in the first half. We didn't play well. Yeah. Let's let's get it going here. And like, oh, okay, coach is right. We got to get it going here. And they locked in, too. That's, and a, they did. that's another thing. They it's, responded. Yeah. You, he's right. You only have so many yells in you as a coach until it just kind of falls on deaf ears. They start to tune you out. All right, so coming up, we'll talk with Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick women's basketball team. But right now, your chance to get qualified for the big game giveaway that we're doing with Buffalo Wild Wings. It's a table wing. Medium spicy. for six and 50 wings for Super Bowl 57 out at Buffalo Wild Wings on February 12th. And so today, you qualify you get a shareable appetizer from Buffalo Wild Wings and you get qualified for the drawing, which is coming up, by the way, this Friday. And don't forget, we'll have the game, Super Bowl 57, on the Team Sports Network February 12th. So, what we'll do right now is we'll take the fifth texter. Fifth texter, please put your first name, last name in your text and put B-dubs on your text. have to have the B-dubs on there and your first name and last name. Fifth texter gets yep. qualified and get the shareable appetizer. Send it to us right now, 970-242-1340. That's 970-242-1340. And it bears reminding, if you send five B-dubs texts, you are one texter. It's just one. Yep. So One per person you on the text. You send 100, you send one, it counts as one. So you might as well just send one and save yourself yeah. the hassle. You could be that guy. It's not going to help. It's not going to help you win. One text per contestant. That's how it works. Yep. Send your text in right now. Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. Stay by the radio. 
You're listening to The Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. Talking Colorado Mesa women's hoops with Mavs coach Taylor Wagner on the team. Maverick women play host to Regis and UCCS this weekend. Important games for the Mavericks in their quest to make it back to the RMAC postseason tournament with us right now. CMU head coach Taylor Wagner. Good morning, Taylor. Appreciate the time as always. You bet. Thank you. Tough loss for your team against Western Colorado. Brooklyn Seymour gets the rebound of her own miss, gets the put back up with less than a second to go. You lose it by a point, 61 to 60. Just a, a really tough loss to take on your home floor against uh, your rival, the Mountaineers. Yeah, you know, we that first half we kind of came out flat, and then the second half we got it going. And, uh, you know, we had to come up with one more stop right at the end of the game. And, you know, Brooklyn shoots that shot, misses it, and, you know, we all kind of stopped thinking the game was over. She grabs a rebound and puts it back in with no time remaining. And that was, that was a tough way to lose to them. I thought they played well enough to win. We played well enough in the second half to win. And, they made one more play right at the end. I have to be happy, though, the way Josie Stedman played 15 points in the game. She played 24 minutes, a player that we haven't really talked much about this season, but she had maybe a certainly a, a potential breakout performance in that loss to the Mountaineers. Yeah, you know, um, Olivia gets in foul trouble in the first three minutes of the game and, and has to sit the bench, and Josie, I mean, her, her playing time's really been inconsistent. Some games she doesn't even get in, and uh, she was ready to go. And, and that's all you can ask for some for some of those because it's really difficult to come off the bench, especially when you don't know when you're coming. And she was ready and answered the call and, and played really a good game and kind of kept us in the, in the game for, you know, all the way till the end. You know, and another player that came in and in only 14 minutes but came off the bench and scored 11 points, Megan Pose, for you, that uh, another name that we haven't heard a lot about this season, but came in and, and gave you a big lift off your bench. Yeah, you know, we. she's a good shooter, good ball handler. Um, you know, she's going to help us defensively. So hopefully we can get a little bit more from both of them because we need, we need it. We need a little lift, I think, offensively, and both of them can give that. And, uh, you know, I, she's kind of been battling a knee issue once she got here at the break. And, and uh, so she's just getting to get more comfortable, and we've got to play her more, too. <laughs> you know, she's, she's going to be someone that, like I said, I think that can help us. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Cutter Mesa women's basketball team, joining us. Uh, Maverick women right now, 7-13, and 6-8 and eight in RMAC play. And another player we want to acknowledge that played really well for you, uh, your, your, your veteran, uh, Monica Brooks, double-double, 10 points, 10 rebounds, a couple of steals in that game. Did a nice job of getting on the glass for you, Taylor. She did, you know, and she's been consistent for us all year long. And, uh, you know, you you expect that from your senior. Uh, you know, we just, like I said, she's really the only upperclassman we have. And, and uh, hopefully, you know, she can rally the girls and, get them focused and as amazing as our year is gone <laughs> we're still in it so we, there's a there's a lot more basketball to be played and, and hopefully we can finish strong here and make it to the postseason Calvino Mesa women's basketball coach Taylor Wagner with us on the team sports network and as I mentioned you're, you're six and eight in conference right now 
and you have a team that's in front of you uh, coming in for the Blizzard and Brownson on Saturday. UCCS, they're seven and seven right now. Regis playing really well. They're they're twelve and two on the season, fifteen and five in second place behind the Colorado School of Mines. So important games, teams that are in front of you right now in terms of making the RMAC tournament. But uh, certainly, most notably, the one that's closest to you right now, UCCS, coming up on Saturday night. So this is a big weekend for your basketball team to continue that push to try to make uh, the eight-team RMAC uh, tournament field. Yeah, I'm, every game's going to get magnified here at the end, and there's just a log jam of um, you know teams that are right next to each other, and we're in the mix, and so every win's going to definitely help us, and and a loss could you know really hurt you. So. Depending on who does what, I mean, you could move up two or three spots in one weekend, or you could drop two or three spots. And so, hopefully, you know, we're ready to go and prepared this weekend, and and can really make a run. I mean, Regis is probably playing the the best right now. I think they've won eleven or twelve in a row, and and we, we we've just got to make sure that uh, we slow them down. They're really good three point shooting team, really physical inside, and. Uh, you know, we, we struggled with them at their place. We gave them too many offensive rebounds. And, and same thing with UCCS. They're, they were great in transition. And, and then they have the best offensive rebounding player in uh, in the league. So things that maybe we've kind of struggled at a little bit all year long. So we've got to make sure we, we play our best game this weekend. Yeah, in that game against Regis, uh, they had 18 offensive rebounds in the 72-64 to victory. Aaron Fry had 16, Josie Ryan had 15 for them, and Aaron uh, Stroberg had 14 off the bench, and and uh, that that was a big contribution, uh, the bench scoring of Stroberg in that game. Yeah, they're well-balanced, and like I said, they just keep throwing people at you. And they probably have the most returning from last year, and so they've got a good eight girls that just know how to play, and you can tell they're really focused and really aggressive, and, and that's one thing I think we've struggled with with is like playing a complete game um and that's what we got to do to beat them we've got to play four quarters to to really compete with them and go out there and, and get a win and then the scoring is really balanced from aaron fry their leading score i mentioned josie ryan sam deem who had a, a good game in their last outing aaron stroberg who had the, the good game off the bench against your team taylor and athena saragoza who's almost at uh, double digits i mean they've got four players almost five players that are in double digits right now at scoring it's like i said it's it's pretty balanced and and tough to shut one player down because others have been stepping up for the rangers yeah and you know what watching our game uh yesterday from the first time we played them it was like okay we felt like we had kind of figured out one person and then the next person goes off and then we get that person under control and then the next person goes off so it's it's one of those things where you know all all five players have got to step up and and be able to guard and just and make them take tough shots. Uh, you know, they got a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of putbacks, and and I felt like that was one thing that really hurt us. Taylor Wagner, coach of the Colorado Mesa women's basketball team, joining us on the Team Sports Network, and then mentioned uh, UCCS. You faced them earlier in the season and uh, unfortunately uh, lost to the Mountain Lions that, that last time out uh, in, in dropping uh, that game to uh, UCCS uh, over in Colorado Springs. You mentioned they're they're rebounding one of the strengths of that basketball team, Taylor. But got to take us through some of the other other strengths that Mountain Lions basketball team. Like I said, the team that is the closest to you right now, and and along with CSU Pueblo in terms of that uh, that final spot in the RMAC tournament. Yeah, I mean they're all physical. They're big guards. Um, 
a lot of one-on-one stuff. So if they're not throwing it into 24, uh, everybody else is just taking you off the dribble, and, and we struggle with that. So, you know, it, the, their offense is probably one of the more simple ones to guard, but they're really good at it. And, uh, you know, we've just – they don't shoot a lot of threes. They haven't made a lot of threes. But, uh, like I said, they, they crash the boards hard. They get second opportunities. And, and we've really just got to be – the whole weekend, we've got to be we've got to be physical and we've got to be ready and you know and we got to get up to play somebody, you know all the all these teams you know it's their Super Bowl when they play us and uh, I, I think they all just love seeing how we're struggling so we've we've got to come ready to play and and that's what I hope hopefully we respond this weekend we're at home and and we have a good outing like you mentioned for the Mountain Lions um, Mason White. Uh, she's been a really good low-post player for them. Amaya Moore-Allen has been their leading scorer on the season, so that's been kind of a one-two punch for the Mountain Lions. And, and like you were saying, Taylor, that, that everybody loves to get up for, for playing your basketball team. It, it speaks to the success, the tradition that uh, you've built at Colorado Mesa. But I know for you, it's like winning on your home floor because that protecting Brownson Arena, I know that's always been an important thing for you and your basketball team to protect that home court advantage. And here we go again another weekend where... Uh, last weekend, Western came in and got a win. Chance to get uh, get back to that home dominance this weekend. Yeah, you know and that's what I'm hoping we can feed off the energy. We had a great crowd uh, last week against Western, and they were phenomenal. And really, they I think they helped us get back in that game. And so we're hoping for the same, and just go out there and compete and and give our best. And you know the girls haven't they haven't quit, so you know they're still working hard and they still want it. But we've got to come up with a few more plays than, than what we're doing at each and every night. We'll have coverage Regis on Friday night and then UCCS on Saturday. The Blizzard in Brownson brought to you by Coca-Cola coming up on Saturday. Both nights get out and uh, cheer on the Mavericks over at Brownson. Our coverage on the team CMU Sports Network both nights starts at 5.15. Women tip it at 5.30 with the minutes 7.30. Brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. Taylor, we'll see you this weekend. Thanks again. You bet. Thank you. All right, Taylor Wagner, coach of the Maverick Women's basketball team joining us in the program these are crucial games coming up starting to run out of time in the season mavericks right there on the cusp and that uh, outside that eighth spot and considering the the success that taylor wagner's had that there there was going to be a point where the cupboard the experience the cupboard would be bare a little bit the experience would be gone mm-hmm. with the graduation of danny turner mariah martin kelsey siemens losing sydney brandon few years ago that at some point you're going to have to to reload and rebuild a little bit and that's kind of where the maverick women are right now and and i think though if you're if you're taylor wagner i know he has a level of, of expectation of success but there's gonna be part of him that feels like the future is very bright with this young basketball team with olivia reed we you know with with some of the other younger players that are on this basketball team that it's not going to be long before the maverick women are back in the upper half of this conference with some of the talent that they currently have. Yeah, they just, you know, you had uh, Daniela Turner and Kelsey Siemens and the like play together for two, three years, and then you just plug in a scorer like Mariah Martin who can kind of assimilate with anybody. You remember you had the COVID year, yeah. which gave them another year playing together. Right. It just doesn't usually happen like that. You know what I mean? It it sometimes it happens like this where you see these flashes and you see all the pieces but 
you don't quite know where they go yet. And you don't quite know, you know, you're missing a piece, but you don't know what it is. You just know that maybe something's not there. Maybe it's on the roster. Maybe it's not. It's just one of those years that sometimes this happens. I said, and you lose all that experience. Yeah. I mean, an All-American player in, in Daniela Turner, Kelsey Siemens, year after year, conference-leading shot blocker, big three-point uh, shooter as well. Mariah Martin, who transferred from Westminster, the mm-hmm. job she did running the point for this basketball team. That you know, There comes a point where you have to start rebuilding the basketball team, and that's yeah. this year where that's that's kind of the case for the Maverick and, women. And sometimes it, hap- it like what happens over the course of a game where – it feels like somebody just put a lid on a bucket, right? CCU had that when they played the Mavs. Fort Lewis had it for a time when they played the Mavs. Sometimes it happens to the Mavericks. Sometimes they go stretches without scoring a field goal, and that sometimes it just happens. I don't know really how else to explain it. It's one of, and we talked to Rob Ames in the first hour. It's the weirdness of basketball, right? Sometimes it just happens, and you're like, "All right, we got to fight through." You know, you can't really white knuckle it too much because. That's just going to make it worse. Well, and here's the thing: when you look at the roster for the Maverick women, they have Lauren Gutierrez, the Adam State Adam State transfer. She's a redshirt mm-hmm. junior. Monica Brooks is their only senior. She's a redshirt senior. Everybody else, sophomore, redshirt freshman, yeah. freshman, true freshman, sophomore. It's it's a really young basketball team, and they got a they got a handful of girls that played last year, at least a couple, like that, Kylie Kravig. Kylie Kravig. And then they got a couple that played last year that are hurt. Uh, Tatiana Bersiaga Reyes, she played quite a bit last year, and she's been hurt this year. She hasn't played Sophie a whole lot. Back-to-back years where yep. Sophie's had the knee injury and it's kept so her she, out. She hasn't played a lot, but you have some interesting pieces out there. When they're on, they're playing really well. Like you mentioned, Olivia Reed, conferences, one of the conference's leading rebounders. She's just a freshman. Jamison Heaton, who... When she can hit shots, she can hit shots in bunches. She's just a freshman. Tia Slade's been getting a lot of minutes, at least to, you know, oh during the holiday break after coming out, she had a lot of minutes. She's just a sophomore. Leah Redding, Central Product, sophomore. Yep. You know, so this is a young squad. And sometimes when you have Mariah Martin who plays 38 minutes, and you have Daniela Turner who plays 37 minutes, and Kelsey Siemens who plays 40 minutes. You don't get a lot of experience nope. in, in game action. Sometimes you got to learn on the fly. All right, 9.33, and it's time for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 19.20, Joe Malone of the Quebec, the Quebec Bulldogs scores an NHL record. Do you want to guess what the record is? Nine. A little high. Oh, okay. Seven, seven goals and a 10-6 win ah, over the Toronto St. Patrick's. Doesn't have. <laughs> 1941, Joe Lewis knocks out Red Berman in the fifth round of Madison Square Garden to retain the world heavyweight title. 1950, high school pitcher Paul Pettit signs the Pirates for a record $100,000. To do so, Pittsburgh has to purchase his contract from a film producer who had signed Pettit to an exclusive contract as an athlete actor. I wonder how the career went for Paul Pettit. Not exactly a name that... Look that up if you would. I'm just curious. How did Paul, Paul... Pettit? P-E-T-T-I-T. Uh, let's see. Paul Pettit played... Uh, he pitched in 12 games 
in two seasons for the Pirates, 1951-1953. Career ERA of 7.34 with a 1-2 and two record. 20, a 30.2 innings pitched, 35 hits, 25 earned runs. You want to guess his strikeout-to-walk ratio? Uh, I don't know. 14 strikeouts. Okay. 21 walks. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That was not money well spent by his, the Pirates. His whip was almost <laughs> two. Even. Yikes. 1.8. Speaking of, speaking of yikes, 1988, the artist formerly known as the Washington Redskins, they scored 35 points in the second quarter to overcome a 10-0 deficit. Oh, the Denver Broncos. And beat my Broncos. 42 to 10 of the Super Bowl. Hey, though, Ricky hey. Teal catches the touchdown pass. We're up 10 nothing. It's like, baby, it's it's our day. Until it wasn't. When Timmy Smith rushes for a record 204 yards, Doug Williams named Super Bowl MVP passes for four touchdowns and a record 340 yards. Could always be worse. Yeah, 55-10. I mean, I wasn't going <laughs> to say it, but yeah. And at least, you know what? You made the Super Bowl. It's and there's true. some kids in impoverished nations that think you won that Super Bowl because of the shirts. Exactly. Didn't the they Broncos win that and yet? Broncos and Bills, just dynasties <laughs> in the eighties and nineties in some countries. Okay, if you're a Colorado like sports Nicaragua. fan, we go from a one of the worst possible moments in Colorado sports history mm-hmm. to a pretty good one. Nineteen ninety one. Michael Adams of the Nuggets scores a career high forty five points, hands out twelve assists, and grabs eleven rebounds. In a 123-119 win over New Jersey, the 5'11 guard becomes the shortest player in NBA history to get a triple-double. In 1993, the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl, beating Buffalo 52-17 and giving the Bills their third straight loss in the title game, a league record. And we have one more shining happy moment if you're a Broncos fan, Colorado sports fan. 1999, on this day, John Elway gets his second straight Super Bowl ring, waving his magic for the final time during the Broncos' 34-19 win over former Broncos coach Dan Reeves and the Atlanta Falcons. I don't really feel like that game was that close. No, nah, it didn't really seem that, that way, a did it? was a two-score game, and it did not feel that way. Nice job, Gene Robinson, going out the night before. and Oh, that's NFL right. NFL man of the year. Yeah. Finding himself uh, some female companionship in the in the greater Miami area. Yep. And uh, Mrs. Robinson wasn't very happy about that. And nor should she be. How do you get busted? <laughs> You're in the NFL. Don't you know somebody that knows somebody that calls a guy or something? Well, it's it's kind of like when guys get popped for DUI. They provide ride. I mean, they're, they're ride right. programs for guys that get drunk and... You you could also afford an Uber. You could afford yeah a limo. I mean, you're an NFL player. Why are you number one in that case? It's not it's not the same thing exactly. No, it's that's your, not something the NFL yeah. provides. From no, they don't provide that. Different but you know, we're going with that. It's like if you if you yeah. feel if you feel like you're going to do that, which is if you're married, yeah, really really wrong, awful and terrible. What but, are you doing rolling down the window on the side of a street somewhere? Hey. Can't you make a call? Hey, baby. I just never, I mean, I never got the the need, right? Exactly. Yeah, but I'm, I'm with you on that. Damn, how do you get caught? 
Come you're, on, man. You're an NFL player with a lot of a lot of cash. Yeah. There are ways to make that happen without driving down some back alley someplace. Isn't there a concierge in the hotel that knows somebody? Knows a guy that knows a guy? Right. I mean, you're not the only NFL team to stay there. <laughs> anyway, it was a fantastic distraction yes. for the Atlanta Falcons. How do you get caught? Uh, and I believe my boy uh, Steve DeBerg was the backup to Chris Miller on that team. Uh, he might have been. I, I think he was the backup. I love Steve DeBerg. The Falcons in that game. Steve DeBerg, did, wasn't he with the Niners in like the late 70s? Yeah, he was, the guy, he was the guy that got replaced by Joe Montana. And then he goes to Denver, and he's the guy that gets replaced by John Elway. Yeah, pretty good. Not too bad. Uh, he was on that team. Yeah, I thought At he was on that 44. team. 44. Yeah. It's like one of the oldest players to ever play mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, to be on a Super Bowl roster. He had a he had a good game that year, though, for the Falcons. He played... Uh, oh, man, I just lost it. He did went like uh, 7 of 10 for a touchdown in a game in relief against New Orleans that helped them win. Not too bad. Then he threw nine of twenty and got sacked three times against the Jets. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> and then the guy that replaced him, Super Bowl MVP, wins the second straight Super Bowl. Yep. And Steve Berg just had a birthday. How did you celebrate? I, I I'll be honest, I didn't because I didn't realize <gasps> he had a birthday. Oh. How old is Steve now? Uh, sixty something or other. He's sixty nine. <laughs> Thank you. Why well, was on the wrong screen? It's okay. January nineteenth, nineteen fifty four. Well, happy belated birthday to my boy, mm-hmm. Steve DeBerg. Yep. Uh, also, one other Broncos-related note. Paxton Lynch. Oh. Still kicking around. Paxton Lynch signed by the Orlando Guardians of the XFL. Did you, uh, Speaking of, and did you see the USFL promos mm-hmm. over the weekend? Did you catch the, all the... They spent a lot of time dragging the XFL in their promos. Right. It's like, no Hollywood knockoff. Whoa, dude. You might want to calm down to that USFL 2.0. Wait, wait a minute. You, yeah, wait a minute. You're, you're a knockoff of a league. It was actually a really good competitive yeah. professional football league. 40 uh, years ago. Yeah. Yes. Or no Hollywood knockoff. Pump, pump, no, no. pump the brakes on that kind of talk. You're not Hollywood. You're Birmingham knockoff. And I think it's weird. It's what they're going to play. Okay, I'm going to save that for garbage time. Okay. That they're actually not playing everything in Birmingham this year. I think they're playing some of it in Michigan now. Where they're they're like gradually baby-stepping out yeah, to downgrade. to play in other, in other cities that are... That they're... The, the team, na- the team yeah. is named after, but they're like sharing stadiums. Coming soon to Ypsilanti or Puyallup. <laughs> Michigan Panthers football. Ypsilanti's Michigan. And um, coming soon, the Pontiac Firebirds. That'd be a cool, cool actual football team name. Actually, that would be. They uh, originally, when Bart Starr, former Packer great, mm-hmm. was trying to get an expansion team in Arizona, yeah, they were going to be the Firebirds, which would have been a great, what a great name, much better name than the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona right. Firebirds would have been a great name. Then they team. would have had to have been Phoenix, right? Because that's what Phoenix a Phoenix is, right? Yeah, but you could Arizona. That would have been awesome. Phoenix, Phoenix Firebirds would have been even better. You're right, yeah, but you it's get alliterative. A, it works. 
Arizona Firebirds isn't bad. No, it's not bad. Phoenix Firebirds is better, though, right. I agree. The Cardinals, who's just a red bird. And that, that that state is really known for its cardinal population? Yeah. That, it's aviary, right? Is that, is that the <laughs> that, thing? That would, that would be correct, yes. All right, 840 or 942. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. I, I don't know what time it is. We get off on this stuff and just... <laughs> we are we are yeah. definitely down the rabbit hole There's, there's no road. There's no clock. No. We're just kind of wandering around aimlessly. No speed limit. You know, nope. there's there's nothing. We'll take a break. We'll come back with some garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Touchdown every morning. Woo! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 946. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Let's see. This is a text. 50 years ago, 1973, Fruta won its first Southwestern League basketball championship. One loss. That's very cool. Did not know that. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Fruta takes on Grand Junction tonight. Maybe they, They should acknowledge that, maybe. I don't know. That, that's a very cool text. I appreciate you sharing that. Going from Rhonda. Oh, see, Rhonda was our winner. Excuse me. Yeah, she, she was, was our, our B-dubs qualifier. She was our qualifier. So we'll do another one tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and then we'll draw a winner on Friday for that uh, table to B-dubs. All right, let's see what else. I think we're pretty much caught up on most of our texts today. All right, 947. We went into the rabbit hole. We're already in the dumpster. Let's make mm-hmm. it official. Yeah. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right, I'm gonna. I have more USFL stuff here. So, okay. you got something? Yeah, go ahead. So, as I was mentioning, that the you, you mentioned the promos for the USFL. Yeah. 2.0. Not a Hollywood knockoff. <laughs> no, you're. <laughs> No, you're you're a knockoff yeah. of what was actually a really fun league. You're a Flint knockoff. <laughs> that they're going to be playing in Detroit. The Michigan Panthers and Philadelphia Stars will play at Ford Field. So that's where they're going to play their games during the season. And so last year everybody played in Birmingham. And then but during the playoffs last year in Canton, Ohio, they announced They'd add more cities for 2023 because what they want to do is gradually move the teams back to the home cities that they're named after. So Detroit will host the Panthers and Stars. Birmingham will host the Stallions and New Orleans Breakers. Memphis is back in the league, baby. Yeah. Reggie White's old team. Uh, Memphis will host the Showboats. And the Houston Gamblers, and they actually redid the logo. It's not the original USFL logo for the uh, showboats. And then Canton, Ohio is going to host the Pittsburgh Maulers and New Jersey Generals. So they're baby-stepping it. So the next year, you'll see more of them go Mm -hmm. back closer to home until finally everybody's back in their home cities. And now as far as the XFL goes, 
they're going to be they're operating out of their hub in Dallas. That's where the league headquarters are. That's where the training camps because training yep. camp underway. It's Arlington, Texas. They're already going through all that right now because the first game is on February 18th. And so they're going to fly out to the cities that they play in. So they will play in home cities. They just aren't going to be based in those cities. They'll, they'll fly in, play a fly like the day before, play, and then fly back back to Texas. That, to me, makes more sense than what the USFL is trying to do or they're trying to... I, I get it. They, they want to build up success in the league. They want it to be stable. It just seems to me that if I'm a fan of a, if, if I'm going to be develop any kind of fa- fandom for a team, mm-hmm. say I live in Seattle. Yeah. I'm not going to be a fan of the Seattle Sea Dragons. Sad that I know that, but that is their name. If they're playing in Texas, and that's where they play all their games, like with the USFL. Mm-hmm. How am I a fan of the Philadelphia Stars if they don't play in Philadelphia or anywhere close to Philadelphia? The only team that's really playing at home, well, I guess three of them are, but, I mean, to me, the the Michigan-Philadelphia one doesn't make a whole lot of sense with New Jersey-Pittsburgh on the other side, right? Why not go Pittsburgh-Michigan in Canton and then have Philadelphia-New Jersey just play in Philadelphia? Right, I mean, yeah. it's right there for the taking, and have New Orleans and Houston play together, and then Birmingham and Memphis play together in their hub. Like they screwed up all of them. To me, they make the least—not the least amount of possible sense. They make less sense than other possible options if you're gonna do it this way. Unless there's a stadium issue, unless there was an issue where they couldn't get, like in Philadelphia, access to a Lincoln Financial. Or yeah. whatever it's still called, I believe it's but, still Lincoln. So I mean, maybe that's that was part of the problem. I'm sure there's a college stadium around because they're not going to need seventy thousand seats. You wouldn't think, you know. I'm just kind of wondering, Ford Field is that going to be a bad? I mean, it was it was bad. That's going to be a bad. Look. It was a bad look in Birmingham when there was nobody there. Yeah, except for when the Stallions played, and because well, it was a hometown team. Mm-hmm. Then they actually, you know, they drew decent crowds. Right. Are you like you're saying? Are you going to be able to better build a Philadelphia fan base in Detroit than maybe Pittsburgh, which is four hours closer? I think three hours closer to where they're at. And sure, playing the Pittsburgh team in Canton, yeah, you know what, you might be able to do it there. But the New Jersey team, doubtful. Well, I found it interesting they dropped Tampa Bay out of this because they added Memphis. Mm-hmm. Memphis replaced. The, the Tampa Bay Bandits, which I always thought was a cool name. Right. So uh, maybe there was a concern about down the road whether or not that Raymond James was going to be available for Tampa Bay to play there mm-hmm. in the next several years when they eventually go back, when they try to move these to home cities, assuming they survive. Now, fortunately, in this case, you know, Fox Fox is putting the money in. Yeah. It's their league, basically. Because they're looking for programming for for Fox, but also right. for FS1, NBC's got some involvement in this. But, but if you're going to try to regionally hub these, all four need to be different. Well, you and, need to swap teams from your division. Well, here's my thought. 
with, with both these leagues, why aren't you putting an emphasis on going to places like a San Diego? That don't that, have teams. That don't have a team. Salt Lake City. You think anyone's going to give a crap about the Philadelphia Stars if the Eagles win another <laughs> no, Super Bowl? No, they're going to give a a rip about it. Almost said something else. Yeah, they're close, <laughs> but moving close to dump button. Yeah, they're not going to care. Why no. are they going to care? I like Memphis. Yeah. Okay, there's there's no team there. Birmingham. I mean, sure. there's, well, there's the Titans, right? Which you know, from a state standpoint, I mean, okay, mm-hmm. you. If you're a, if you live in Memphis, you're probably a Tennessee Titans fan. But if you live in Jersey, you're either a Giants, Jets, or Eagles fan, right? D- a diehard fan of those teams. You know, Not all three of those teams are either great or getting better. The Giants are pretty good. And I, I, how are you going to build the fans for them in Canton? And and I get it that you want to go to big TV markets. Okay, I, I get that you want to have some kind of draw in big TV markets. And you could still have some of the bigger TV markets, but but to me, I just don't, I don't get why aren't you trying to go to places where, like a Portland, mm-hmm. a, San, a San Diego that already yeah. you know they could play at the Aztecs' new stadium, which is a pretty nice stadium. It's like fifty some thousand. Right. St. Louis, St. St. Louis, where they do have the XFL Battlehawks are going to play there. So that's a if you're going to run move. your mouth about the XFL, what's a better way to go head-to-head than put a team there, too? Absolutely. The only problem is just the one stadium. Yeah. How do you work that out? Well, in it needs St. Louis. A little gunfire. Never heard anybody. <laughs> I, I just, you know. Sounds. Anyway. You know, it's, we're, we're you know, roughly less than two weeks out from the Super Bowl. The, the game that matters in the professional football landscape. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we, we will probably be consuming a little bit of this. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see who does it better now that the XFL is back. Because they did it better the last time. All right. Back with you tomorrow.